When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the third play happened. I knew exactly what was coming. I told DJ. I told Bennett. And I was like, y'all can switch. I said, Bennett, he's going to run over. Just, I said, play outside. You'll be fine. I told DJ. I said, play outside. I said, trust, I'm here. I was like, I'm here. And that's what I wanted the comfort level of our DBs. Like, look, if I tell you I'm here, trust me, I'm here. Like, don't. And it happened all throughout the year. Same thing with Jamal. He was Washington State. I'm like, I'm here. Yeah. Same thing, Oregon State. I had, I wish I would have caught it. But I'm like, like, I look at Maul like, I got you. Don't even worry about it. Just that comfort level to where I'm so prepared, it's easy for me. Because it's like, I'm telling you, our corners can do whatever they want. Because I got you. Don't even worry about it. I got you. This is the Mighty Oregon Podcast presented by Oregon Community Credit Union. And this is Verone McKinley III, the General Mike Duff. Laura over the top, and it's intercepted. Verone McKinley, penalty flags come in. Travell Harris tried to play defense, I think, and he may have committed the penalty. That's the fifth interception this year for one of the best Oregon defensive players. quote the office well well well, 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 well how, how the, the turntables turn <laughs> brown mckinley you've hosted this podcast yourself a few times thanks for being on the other end of the microphone this time oh no problem thanks for having me we're talking as the nfl draft approaches uh, you went to the combine you're about to go through your pro day by the time people hear this you'll have gone through your pro day here in eugene um, and so you're in town training for that getting ready for that and soon enough, you're going to be Verone McKinley, NFL defensive back. For all the little minutia and details and responsibilities you have right now to prepare for that, have you had moments where you let yourself embrace that notion that like a kid who grew up wanting to play in the league is like right on the doorstep? It's never, it's never really hit me. I feel like it probably won't hit me until we get even closer to the draft. But I think for me, it's been about like work, yeah. just like consistently working, working, working because as soon as the bowl game was over, I went straight into combine training. And so it was like, I haven't, I haven't really had a break. And now we're about to go into pro day. And then after that, I'll probably finally be able to kind of sit down, settle and unwind. But even, even after the combine and just right after that, I'm still training, still working. Cause I know I have pro day. So it's been, it's been a fast moving kind of pace just through the whole entire process, meeting with teams, you know, you pick your agent, you meet with teams, you're you're still training for 40, bench press, jumps, position drills. So it's just, it's been nonstop. Perhaps this is like this a sign of age and the old sentimentalist in me as I, you know, get on the wrong side of middle age. But like, I guess I hope to hear there's moments like maybe when you check in for the combine and they give you your gear for the combine or something where you're any moments like that where you're like, whoa, this is happening. I'm this is my life now. It probably didn't it didn't really hit me until we were about to do stuff like at the combine, like that last day. Cause you go in, you go in on like I got there Thursday. Yeah. And think about it, we didn't work out till Sunday. So 
you're there and it's like a long drawn out process. It's like medical stuff, meetings, more medical stuff, meetings. And it's just like this repetitive process. But I mean, I get it. You're, you're there because they're trying to basically, they're going to invest millions of dollars into each different guy. And it's like so much that goes into it. And so you're steadily asking, not even asking questions, but answering questions over and over again. Sometimes it gets repetitive. Sure. But once you get to that, that moment where you're about to, you're in Lucas Oil and it's like, all right, all this other stuff is over with. It's time to do what you really came here for. And that was when it kind of hit me. And I was, I kind of turned on that that mode. I jumped, I did my jumps. Um, I had bench pressed earlier in the day. I did pretty good on that. So like I'm hitting the benchmarks I wanted to hit. And so once we got to like position drills, I, I just turned on a different mode. Cause I mean, I've been wanting, waiting to do that since I was younger. I posted a video where it was like me doing these different drills and stuff when I was like, 12 years old so this is the moment i've been waiting for and so going into it i was like i'm about to go shine i'm, I'm really gonna send a message and make it clear and evident I'm the best one here i've gotten better stronger faster twitchier all of that so sure. now it's just we're doing it on the big stage of course and that's i live for the big stage i feel like this past year is another one of those examples of just the big stage come, lights are on, who's gonna step up? And that's kind of what I like to do, so. Well, that's a big loss for the Oregon defense. I mean, he's the glue to the defense on the back end. Uh, he's the general back there. He gets everybody lined up. He has a lot of playing experience. He can do a lot, uh, but it's a big game for the NFL because I think this man will play well in the NFL. For me, it was like, that's so why I wanted to make sure I showed my athleticism because sure. everybody kind of knows I'm smart. Everybody knows I know what I'm doing. I can control the defense, but it's right. like, how athletic is he? And I feel like sometimes I don't get credit for that. Like yeah. people just think he's smart. And so that's kind of what I wanted to show. Yeah. It's easy for all of us to sort of overgeneralize and put people in a box. And so you felt like that had happened to you already to some extent? A little bit. You're that's... the cerebral guy who studies film, but not the athlete some other guys were exactly that was the perception going in and like i just feel like that's kind of how it's been even throughout the season yeah. it was just like he's he's super smart and i feel like the athleticism gets overlooked so when i tell somebody i played receiver in high school they'll be like oh that makes sense now that's why you're able to yeah so it's like it's just getting those things and of course some people don't know that of course when you get to talk to them and they'll ask you the question like oh now it makes sense and then when you go and hit certain numbers you jump a 35 you broad 10 it's like okay he's explosive he, i mean it, it makes sense when you see it on the film but it's also good when you just see it happening in a, a true testing environment sure as you mentioned you you know there's there's some things you learned about the experience going through it you know as an avid consumer and producer of media for several years now you probably had as good a sense of anyone of what the combine was like watching other guys go through it were there any other things that surprised you or that you were anticipating and any other takeaways based on just how well I'm sure you knew the process from watching it from afar for years and years and years as a fan I would say one of the bigger takeaways was like the camaraderie between you and like the other DBs because we're all sitting around for however long you may be waiting two hours to go into some certain room and do things so you're all sitting there and either either people are asleep you're just listening to music and on your phone or you're talking and you just hear about people's different experiences when they were in school, what type of defense they may have ran, the times they've had just off the field, just you hear all these different things. And you, like I was on the phone with two of the guys yesterday, they called me and we had talked on the phone for a little bit just because we spent a lot of time together. JT Woods gauntlet is the last drill of the 2002 NFL scouting combine. <laughs> and there they go. Oh, high-stepping like prime. <laughs> There we go. They're out of the woods. What a way to finish up. That's fun. Guys you didn't necessarily know as well before. Exactly. Like one of them was Quinn Lake, who goes to UCLA. Of course, we're in the same conference, but it was just somebody. I mean, I've never really spoke to him that much, but we just we just clicked and like different guys like that you're able to just talk to. And especially when you're in the same conference, of course, you always have those Pac-12 conversations and say like, oh, we're underrated. Y'all don't get it. And so just those arguments and things like that. Happen. Sure. What, how old were you when the idea of getting drafted or playing in the league first occurred to you? Ooh, I was young, I would say. I would say I've always wanted to play play in the NFL. I feel like I didn't get really serious about it until around sixth grade. So I've always been like, oh, I want to play in the NFL. Yeah. Like 
you say it, and of course I feel like I meant it, but when I really started to put the plan of action into motion was around sixth grade, and so. So those, those are those are two different like angles on the same dream. Like I wanted to play Major League Baseball when I was a kid, but like I learned pretty quickly that wasn't gonna happen. You learned at some point that actually could happen. And so the dream became more tangible around sixth grade. I would say that it in my mind it did. Like I knew I wanted to okay, I want to play division one football, one of the big time schools. I want to be on ESPN and that's gonna be another stepping stone to get to the NFL. But I would say like the NFL didn't probably truly, truly click for me until at the end of my freshman year when I because I had had the freshman All American yeah. and had a four picks. I had played in big games. So that's when you kinda you're really on the radar because the moment you step on the field that's when basically you're, you're getting looked at right then and there. And so that's when it started to click and you may see some stuff. So it's like, okay, this really may be possible. Yeah. And so just as the trajectory went on and as I got better and better, it's like, okay, this is really happening now. And that's why I finally like, probably when I declared is when it was like, okay, now we're getting ready to really try to go into the NFL. And so it's, it's the moment is still building up to that. You're a coach's kid, right? Yes, sir. Um, how did that impact your growth, your development, how you mapped out those sequential steps that it would take? Because I you know, I assume maybe you, because of your dad, were maybe better prepared to kind of map out what it would take to, to get where you want to go. So my dad is a very, my dad's like a numbers guy. He's really thorough. And then, of course, he played football. And so when I started playing football, he was my coach. And I started off as a quarterback. So those terms of like being the general and being able to command things and lead all started from there because that's what I had to do early on. And it was just, you see examples of it. I remember when I was younger, like we watched Andrew Luck at Stanford because that's one of probably one of the better, just tangible guys who coming out of the draft, he went to Stanford. That was my dad's dream. He wanted me to go to Stanford, but I was- Andrew Luck's a Texas guy too, right? He is exactly. And so I didn't want to go to Stanford, but so he was always like the leadership qualities and being able to get guys going and, and things like that. It started then. So he played DB. So as I got older, of course, I played corner and quarterback. And then I hit middle school and it was, I mean, I'm not, I'm five, eight, probably at the time in middle school. Yeah. There's not many short quarterbacks in the NFL. So I'll play receiver and DB. And so that's when I started training as a DB and, and building up. So once I got to, he coached me in middle school and then I got to high school and I was on varsity, he was the DB coach. So as a freshman on varsity, and maybe you're on the island, you're playing corner, guys are way bigger than you, whatever it is. I was always about technique, and then my daughter was taught me knowing where my help is so I can play to my advantage because I want to know if I have somebody underneath, I can play to a certain advantage and take this away because I know somebody else is taking this away. And so that's always allowed me to kind of play ahead of things and then understanding what the offense is doing just because he's in those coaches meetings he's game playing so when we go home yeah. it's I'm gonna know exactly what they're doing and that's always allowed me to think a step ahead and so when I get to college and understanding how football doesn't change as in concepts are concepts defenses are defense of course there may be different terminology and different lingo but it still stays consistent more. exactly at first even when I first came in like I didn't understand it because I was like, this is a lot. I'm like, I was kind of like overwhelmed. 43 Houston. 24 Reno. Frisco left. 200 Jet X Omaha. Okay, 43 Dallas. Ready? And then I sat down with my dad and we went over the playbook and he just broke it down to me in simpler terms. And that allowed for me to start really, okay, let me just take these nuts and bolts and apply them to how they've always been. Just the, the, the terminology is different. And so as we continue to progress, it helped because I've had so many different defensive coordinators and different position coaches. I've been able to learn so many different styles and different ways that people want to call defenses. And so him being a coach has basically allowed for me to be a coach on the field, right? which I, I think, who was it? I guess Coach Yates, I think, said that. And that's just, that's just how I play. And so we have the athleticism, but it, it's almost like people get overwhelmed with the smarts and the ability to just diagnose and see it and go. It, it's it's interesting, but him being my him being my coach for however long, it hasn't really changed. We could still it may be like the Washington State play. I remember he called me that Monday. I think he had just gotten home and he was rewatching the game and he'll ask me questions about what were y'all doing here, why did this happen? And I'll be like, Look, this is the call, this is what we had to do, this is the check we made, this happened because of this. But that never it never stops. And so I've always it's always been harder for me because I was 
coach his son and it was never easy. It was always, I can get a pick and he may still knock me for something and say, sure. oh, why didn't you do this? So <laughs> it's all, that's what it's always been, but it's allowed for me to get to this point. And when I'm talking to NFL teams and I can regurgitate information and, and tell them why I'm processing the way I am and what I would change, what we could do different depending on situations, scenarios, game plans, all of that is encompassed just from the early development from my dad. That's like Coach Cristobal would always say, he said, I should be a coach. Some guys have been like, just because I'm able to to talk to people to help them understand in the lingo that they understand it. So when they go on the field, yeah, they're thinking, oh, this is what Verone said. I'll do this. And it's like, and let's say, Moses, I've pretty much never really been wrong when it comes to how the call should be presented. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with execution. Sure. That's on you. But it's like, I'm, I was okay with the fact that, oh, Verone told me this. I'm like, yeah, I told him, I told him such and such. And then having the, having the, the backing of your coaches because they know you know what you're talking about and i feel like them knowing especially knowing my dad and how i'm going to be able to get this information regarding to somebody else because i'm doing it myself that's another thing i always tell guys because guys would laugh at it but like yesterday i got on jamal actually jamal didn't hinge and i was like i need you to hinge i was like that's you were watching practice watching practice jamal hill jamal hill former was, teammate exactly and i and like i got up and yelled i yelled you need to hinge my it's just it's just in me like sometimes yeah. i can't even help it and then i talked to him after practice and i was like you already know you need to hinge i said you know if i was out there i would have been going off on you because you didn't hinge and i said you would have made a play i said you've made picks off of that before so you know he was like yeah big bro i know and, and it's just that's just how it is and so me and like the coaching even sometimes i think of course i want to do media and all of that but going into coaching it's almost like i still have that kind of in my back pocket because I know it's something I could probably do and do it well. You you bring up, you know, you can know it, but you still have to execute it. And you can you can help guys know things, but then it's on them to execute. It's on you to execute too. And I've always wondered, do you feel like there's more pressure on you? Because the expectation is you know what to do. So on the instances if when you might not make a play, is there almost like more disappointment? Because like, Verone, I know you knew what to do. Like, whether it's, you know, taking not quite the right angle or, you know, you get your hands on a ball and don't, you know, I'm sure there's a million different execution things that I don't even know as they're taking place on the field. But do you almost feel like, you, is there even more pressure on you to to execute everything? Because the expectation is, you know exactly what you're supposed to do or how things are supposed to play out. 100%. I think that between, especially this passion, between my dad and Coach Yates, those two right there, it it was all – see, Coach, my dad is going to be a little more outspoken about it if he feels like I could have – like, I guess there was a play against Cal, and I got out the middle of the field. I, like, hit the receiver on the sideline, ball, they didn't catch it. Like, it was a good play. And he was yelling, like, go pick it. And yeah. I was like, what do you – like, hey, okay. And then Coach Yates, he would, do, he would do this thing. He wouldn't even say anything to me. He would just look at me because he would know that I know. And so he, he would just look at me. He would make pause and then he'll look away and just kind of go about it. And I'd be like, I know. You know I, what like, he's communicating with that look. I already know. I yeah. said, I know. Yeah. And he'd be like, <laughs> yeah. And so that's that it always felt like there's a little bit more pressure in that way. And that's kind of the pressure I wanted. And I think I told it, I told a team, like, I, I want the green dot in the back of my helmet because that's that's me. I'll be the one, I'll basically I'll rather lose this game, mess up whatever it is, and have that pressure on my shoulders, knowing that at the same time I could be the reason we win or help another guy make a play and that's the reason we win like i always want to be involved so just ownership and, and leadership understanding good and the bad i've said that for our defense this past year just good things happen yeah like oh we did this if bad things happen i'll take credit for it i think it was a stanford game i was i didn't get a pig i didn't there was a play at the end i didn't i didn't get a breakup i could have got us off the field just whatever it is and that's just me being hard on myself but also you don't shy away from that exactly. responsibility it's good things are going to come from it, but some criticism is going to come from it too, whatever. Exactly. You don't shy away from that. And telling young guys like, look, the worst thing happened to me my first start. So yeah. <laughs> at this point, and the older I've gotten, it's like, look, football is football. Bad things are going to happen. It's about how we respond to it. And so taking that and just applying that into every aspect of life. You mentioned dad wants you to go to Stanford. Uh, why'd you end up at Oregon though? How'd that, how'd that play out? So... I came to Oregon. It was interesting because Oregon didn't offer me until the, after my end of my junior year. So like that spring, they had offered me. I visited. I visited here. Was, I did like a whole West Coast tour, like Washington, UCLA, USC. I visited. And I just, I loved Oregon. Coach Tiger was here. I was like, okay. So as I went through the summer, I was like, I'm going to commit to Oregon. I'll commit Saturday Night Live, I believe it was, like yep. late July. 
Um, boom, committed. I loved everything about it. And then Coach Taggart leaves. Coach Chris Ball gets the job. And I was like, uh, I was literally, I was thinking about it. I was like, mm, do I still want to stay committed just because new, new kind of staff? And then it really hit me, like, as, as, cause I signed early, cause I think that was the first year of the early signing period. And it, I was able to really understand why I came here. Of course, beautiful campus, everything looks good, but like the older I've gotten, the more I understand why I came to Oregon. Because for one, like off the field, you have everything. And like, we didn't even have NIL yet. If that, nowadays, <laughs> NIL is so crazy here. It's like, why not? But from off the field perspective, like, I felt academically with the different, programs they had I could flourish so journalism political science I wanted to be in media I knew that early on so I knew that's kind of going to be the realm I go into and Oregon's known for, they have a big a big program for that then I was also like you have Nike you can meet Phil Knight you can meet Tinker Hatfield a Madrashad probably wouldn't be my mentor if I didn't go to Oregon yeah. so having that avenue off the field and, and able to go to a college a college town I wanted a college town so I was like Eugene way different when you go back to Eugene it's almost like surreal because it's like this is places one of one but then on the field trusting coach Cristobal understanding that coach Cristobal never promised me anything coach Cristobal just basically told me you're gonna come in you're gonna work and I'm gonna take care of you like you're my own son that's what I'm gonna do all of you and that's that's what it was it was never I'm gonna come in and play right away because I redshirted my freshman year yeah so it was all about work and getting better and understanding how to be a pro almost and so those are probably the biggest reasons I came here because we did have a good recruiting class. We did have we have Justin Herbert. So you know you have a great quarterback. Especially I saw him. I saw him on my official visit, and I was like, I didn't know he was six 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 seven. I was like, <laughs> why? Why is he so big? And and then seeing him make the throws, it was like, okay. And so all of that goes into like why I came to Oregon, and like they had, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change a single thing about my time here because from the people I've met, from the times that we've been through as a team, the good and the bad, like all of it has just been a part of the journey, I feel like. Ahmad Rashad being a mentor, as a guy who wants to go into media, and he's a guy who did as good a job as, of anyone as crossing over from being an athlete to being a, a media figure. How did that develop? And what do you get out of that relationship? So Coach Cristobal, something had been posted. It was like a picture of Ahmad Rashad. And apparently he wore number 23 here. So he had tweeted at me and Coach, Coach Cristobal had tagged me in it and was saying, maybe we can get you some some reps and tell Verone to take his jersey off. And I was like, Coach, can you introduce me to a modern shot? Like, Seriously? I want to be in media. <laughs> and I think this is COVID year, so I'd watch The Last Dance. And that's when I really got into a modern shot because I was like, I want to do what he's doing. He's yeah. over with the Dream Team. He's right next to Jordan interviewing everybody. Game on the line. Who would take the last shot? Me. That's a dumb question. Me. So I was like, I'd want to do that. And so he got me connected with him. And then from there, it just we just would talk. And he would just give me nuts and bolts and check on me. And we just have conversation. I mean, this is a guy who's close with Obama and Michael Jordan. Like, he plays <laughs> golf with them. So things like that. And just, you know, just building the network. But also somebody that's genuine and that took time out of his day to, to kind of help me continue. Because he knows the passion I have for wanting to, to kind of do what he does. And so just somebody who can always be in my corner and help me and so that's that's kind of how that all happened and just he gives me so many different tips and, and knowledge and just he got I mean he got drafted early played and he was already involved in the media as soon as basically he got to Minnesota and just things like that somebody who's actually been down the path that that you want to go down there's not very many I mean there, there aren't a ton of success stories of great crossover guys who had the success he had in both realms exactly and like now of course you see like now with people like tony romo troy aikman's been doing it yeah becoming even, a little more common exactly and so you have all the guys on nfl live and and monday night countdown just all of those things and those are guys of course who played for however many years a lot of them are almost pretty much hall of famers but yeah. just also even guys like who else? I've talked to Kirk Herbstreit. I talked to him at the UCLA game and and Chris Fowler, Holly Rowe, like talking to all these different people, especially this past year and just building that network because that's what I want to do. You did a red shirt in 18. What'd you, what'd you get out of that year? So that year I'm in the corner room. We had Coach Dante was our, our position coach. Um, he had recruited, it was funny because he had recruited me at Nebraska and Arizona. So him coming in, Right as I signed, it was like, oh, okay, I'm still, I'm good. I, I have a coach I already know. He's recruited me before. This just works out for me. But, I mean, I had a good camp. 
redshirted and that year was like a developmental year but for me mentally i feel like i could have probably played and probably had an impact played 30 snaps and done well but he was saying that it would be good for me just just hold off like just hold off it's gonna work out just just relax and of course when you come in you want to play and you register you see it like ah uh, like i don't want to do anything i'm not gonna focus but for me it was like okay i can use this here to my advantage so i got to travel every game away games all of it because it was always like i want you to know how this process is so when you are here next year playing you you're a pro at it you know exactly what you need to do all of that but also that year was a year for me to i was almost like a coach because i'm on the sideline coach Dante was in the box and i'd be on the sideline and i'd have like a, a card and it'd have like tips and reminders different plays different things the team the other team would like to do and I, he knew that i knew the defense i knew exactly what we were going to get i was in all the film meetings and everything i did everything like all the stars, I just didn't, I wasn't playing. And so guys talk about in, taking mental reps, every single rep of every game, you're taking a mental rep as it's happening, literally and trying to help guys out. Cause like, look, I want to win too. Like I want to be a part of it. So like Demo telling Demo, like, Oh, you can be on the sideline yelling, like Demo watch for a slant, watch for a slant. And like, it clicks to him and he goes and makes play. And it's like, perfect. Like it works out. I knew what was coming. I was able to, to learn from that, but also like, I'm still mentally thinking. So I'm still getting better, yeah. even though I'm not, I'm not playing in the games, but I'm still practicing. Of course, getting better in practice. I was playing nickel and corner. So I was able to do both and then just understanding the game. So it's not, it's not as fast to me when I start playing, it's like, I can do the same thing while actually playing. So that, that's what that year was for me. It was almost like I was coach McKinley. I was like this close to getting a headset because it was like, yeah, I, at that point, they needed to talk to me. They knew what I knew what I was doing. Right. So. so right off the bat, you'd made this impression that hey, I'm gonna know. I'm gonna know what I'm supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. And what everybody else is supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> Be able to just tell guys like, look, here's what you can look for, or like even if you tell the linebackers like, hey, they're trying to run a dig behind you. Be yeah. aware of that on third down. Like, okay, especially with Troy, because all the guys liked me. They knew, okay, he can play, and then he knows what he's doing. So. Though I have the respect, at least, uh, somebody will hear me out. And then also learning from Ugo. I can't take away from that because that was Ugo's senior year. So I got to learn a lot from Ugo just because at that time, I mean, Ugo, that was probably his best year in college. And he just, he was somebody else that helped me show how to be a pro and just how to take care of your business. Just going to class, going to tutoring, staying off of any list just so the coaches don't have to worry about you and they yeah. trust you. So when that time comes, they'll just put you in. You know, you, you got here you know, just a couple years removed from a four-win season. You break into the rotation in 19, that team wins a Rose Bowl. Oregon is going to win it. And the 106th Rose Bowl will go into the record books for all time for fans everywhere to look back and see that Oregon beat Wisconsin again in the Rose Bowl. So there, there's a couple kind of crucial transition years there that you had a, a perspective on. And I wonder, you know, going to the Red Box Bowl that year and winning that game, and it's not a game probably anybody fires up on the DVR very often. <laughs> Seven to six with, you know, 20-something punts combined. Thomas Graham knocks it away, and Oregon is going to win the Red Box Bowl in a game where offense was at a premium. Seven-six with 32 seconds remaining. But there was a, a legit, you know, celebration of victory after that that, you know, that was a landmark that we got to a postseason game and we won it, which is kind of what Oregon is supposed to do. Do you remember just what that meant to some of those more veteran guys, maybe a guy like Ugo and getting a sense for like, okay, what the expectations are here and what guys had been through the couple years before that and where they wanted to get back to? So I remember, I guess that was the year. So Jalen Jokes, Justin Hollins, Ugo, those are kind of the guys that, that were about to leave. And I remember that was kind of like, especially for me not playing and understanding that I kind of want to take Ugo's spot. And it was like, okay, we can be really good. It was like, okay, we can be really good. What are we going to do from here? Yeah. And it was like, boom, they were like, we're not going to go back to what we used to, to the, the four and eight year. We're not going back to that. Like we had a pretty successful season. I remember we had beat Washington. Um, we just let some games slip away. I remember we had more time against Washington State probably a game may turn out a little bit different, but like we showed that, okay, we have the pieces, we have the tools, and now you have all these young guys who've learned. You have Javon Holland coming up. You have Thomas and, and D'Amador coming back. You have Herb came back. So it, Troy came back. It was like, okay, there's two guys right there alone that are probably your your guys. You have a young Panay Sewell 
who's freshman All-American, really good. The whole line came back. It's like, okay, let's let's rock and roll. So then we go into that next year, and it's like once everybody came back, it was like, okay, we can be really good. And we, we knew, like I said, we knew, like it was all about work. Like we we were like okay we don't want to go to the Red Box Bowl again as great as that was sure we were like it's we got to step up because we have genuine a really as good that team. celebration was exactly like it we, also wasn't the standard no we were like okay that's first year cool like yeah. first year we did solid better than probably what people expected but we feel we could still do better yeah and so going into that year as a team it was like we got to work we got to we got to work we got to work so many guys came off a good year this is gonna be Herb's last year we. We knew, like, okay, we, we know what it is, what it looks like, what it takes, what we can do better. And then for me personally, going into that, it was like, okay, Ugo left his mark. Ugo, that last year, left his mark, did phenomenal. Me coming in, some would say it may be a big big shoes to fill. I remember somebody asked me, like, can, are you ready for it? Some big shoes to fill. And I was like, 100%. Yeah. I, I sat here and learned all, all year. So, like, it's time. And so for me, I came into 2019 understanding that, I don't want my spot to be just given to me just because Ugo left. I wanted to earn my spot and show why this spot should be mine. And so that whole year, it was just about working. And I remember I had a really good spring game. I had a good spring just being able to do kind of what I did in high school, cover, be able to play inside, which is already a little bit harder than than it would be for anybody, especially a freshman. But we had Avalos come in and just learning a whole new defense. I picked it up quick. I was able to do everything. And so, like, that 2019 year, we kind of knew we'd have a really good team. We could be special. We lost, what, two games that year? Yep. And we lost we lost one at the very end of the game and then another one. We pretty much, same thing, we lost at the end of the game. So it's like, even then when I look back on it, it's like that year was still special. And, like, yeah, we, we probably should have went to the playoffs. We don't lose Arizona State. We probably get in. Right. The Ninkasi Better Living Room is a restaurant and gathering space in Eugene's Whitaker neighborhood celebrating food, art, beer, and community. The BLR's kitchen celebrates locally sourced flavors of the region while complementing the unique flavors craft beer drinkers enjoy. Plus, come taste innovative beers from their five-barrel pilot system you can't taste anywhere else. For more information, menus, and reservations, visit ninkasibrewing.com Eugene. Perpetuate better living. Working together with Oregon Community Credit Union to produce the Mighty Oregon podcast just feels natural because I've been an OCCU member for as long as I can recall. Whether I was building a savings plan or securing a car loan, Oregon Community Credit Union has always treated me not just like a customer, but a friend and neighbor. Learn more about OCCU and how they've been supporting ducks for over 60 years at myoccu.org slash grow Dash O. You end up having a, a freshman All-America season in 19. Pressure rushing three. Hit as he throws. It is dropped and intercepted. Picked off. Barone McKinley in the end zone. And yet every time I hear you refer to that year, you refer to one play against Auburn. Knicks. Snap back to throw once more. Swings it toward the corner of the end zone. And again, Touchdown. maybe this is the the sentimental old guy in me, but Touchdown. like, can you also appreciate all the successes that you had in that year, or is it or is it all overwhelmed by the frustration of being the guy who was in coverage for Auburn's game-winning touchdown in the in the first game of that season? Um, I would say that I still I go I do both. I would say like the good and the bad of 2019 for me because I felt like, of course, I have all these picks. Intercepted, McKinley. I'm kind of an up-and-coming guy, a riser. The youngest, I was, I guess I'm the youngest guy in the secondary. It was me and Michael, I guess, for the two, but I started, so I was like the youngest guy. And it was almost like, I didn't really do much until that Colorado game, so that's probably like. Yeah, your interceptions all came in like a cluster of games. It was think, like right? that, it was like Colorado, USC, Washington happened, and then we played Washington State, and it was like, I got picks in almost all of those games. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I did, I had this clump, I played well, so like probably, I played well the whole time, but I wasn't making like big, big, big time plays until that middle of the season started. So for me, it was weird, cause it's like, yeah, I played well, but I knew I could play better. And so I see it as a, a, 
a year I just got my feet wet. Like yeah. I never say like I had a dominant year or I had a bad year. It's just like, it was my first year. I kind of got my feet wet learning the position. I never played safety before. Yeah, Playing corner and nickel and now I get moved back where you're 12 to 14 yards deeper and, and doing a little bit different things. It was different for me. So that's why I see 2019 is like, yeah, it was a good year. I got freshman All-American, but I still felt like I didn't have that respect from everybody yet. Like I was just another guy. Okay, he's good. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, somebody that you circle on the scouting report type of thing. Well, it sounds like even in your own head, potentially, like because you were playing a new position, you see it as like a learning year too. Like, were you even ready to be that guy that commanded that respect because of the fact that you were kind of learning on the fly, shifting on the fly? And, and one thing I want to make clear is you make no excuses about that play against Auburn. I've heard you talk to other guys about it as an example of, hey, sometimes you got to learn lessons the hard way and you did that day. So I'm not trying to give you a pass because I know you don't give yourself a pass too. But do you also feel like, hey, that year, new position, you were learning on the fly. Maybe it makes sense that it took you until middle of the season to really kind of start being that playmaker. Exactly. And I think I knew what to do. I knew how to communicate. I knew how to get guys lined up and like we need to get to a certain check. And I think me – me playing with Vaughn right in front of me, it didn't, like, we were able to work hand in hand. It yeah. was like, cause some people ask me like, did Vaughn make, I was like, no, because we have like that same background. It's weird. Cause his dad's a coach. Yep. He wore number three in high school when he was younger. I wore number three, like both DBs, both were always trained from a young age, like to kind of be to this. So we always see things eye to eye. We'll read things kind of at the same time. Like the Stanford play, when he makes the pick and he jumps and everything and like we hit each other kind of, I was, it was like, there's another example. We see the same thing and we're both going to the exactly where the ball is gonna be just because we read it the same way. So it's like, okay, Vaughn being in front of me, it's like, he doesn't have to even look back to know, okay, we're getting this motion, Vaughn, we're checking it in, be like, yep, 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 I got it. Yeah. And now we're just playing. And so as we got, we kept going, it's like, okay, it's becoming easier for me. So we go into the next year, it's the same process of like, I got my feet wet now. I understand. I made some good plays, but I can still get better. Right. Were you, I mean, were there conversations where people explicitly saying we can win the league, we can win the Rose Bowl? When you're, when you're talking about, hey, we got a lot of parts come back, we can be pretty good. Is there explicit goal setting like that? I remember it was playoffs. I, it was okay. funny. We were, yeah, we say take the pack. We say take the pack. Right. It was like Pac-12 championship and playoffs. I don't think, Rose Bowl was cool. Like we got into it, but I remember it was packed. We win the pack and then playoffs. Yeah. That's that's kind of what we were thinking, of course. And I think that we knew we were good. Like we knew it and we had so many pieces. You have you have a KT, yeah. a freshman that leads leads the Pac-12 in sacks. You have two a redshirt freshman and a sophomore that are tied for leading the interception for interceptions in the Pac-12. You have Troy Dye, your leading tackler, you have your quarterback. It was like we we know now who we watch the success Justin Herbert is having now, and the nation knows kind of what we knew. But I also wonder if, like, even for us, there's some revisionist history. Like, did we even know how good he was? Did you guys as players, when you're talking about Herb back then, did you guys as players know he was as good as – I mean, he's taken the NFL by storm the last couple of years. I would say we knew Herb was that good. We knew he could make all the throws. We knew he could make plays with his feet. We knew Herb was smart. But I think he got drafted into a really good – like system i yeah. think him going to the Chargers, who people who have weapons and now they got rich Hans slater to protect him like he went into a good system that's gonna let him be herb to the fullest and so that's why i think because like in practice we saw it one-on-ones every throw is pretty much perfect yeah like you may have great coverage the ball still drops in perfectly two minute competitive herb but people don't understand we're like no game is over to justin herbert like right. the what was it the raiders game i was sitting there watching the raiders game with my friend and like I was like, this game is not, I said, Herb is going to somehow find a way. Cause people don't understand how competitive Herb is. Yeah. Basketball, bowling, like Herb <laughs> is competitive. Well, he's so low key. You were talking earlier about how like people don't, people are kind of caught off guard about how big he is. But I think cause, cause his personality is so, he's so reserved that way that you don't think of him as this big looming Hulk, but dude he is, is that. Dude is competitive. Like yeah. honestly, one of the most competitive people I've been around, like, don't let, especially because our DBs, we talked a lot, especially like between me, Nick, Javon, Thomas, and Demo. Right. <laughs> all going against Herb in practice and like any type of breakup, anything, and we'll say something to Herb. It's like, Herb's going to hear you and Herb's going to like, 
He'll squint his eyes, kind of, and like he won't say anything back. That's He'll not, file it away. He won't say anything back. But Herb's <laughs> coming back. He's like, just be ready for that next play. Like you really got to move on to the next play. So him doing this now in the NFL, like it's not, it's not a surprise. Sometimes he makes plays, and you're just like, that's Herb for you. Yeah. It's it's crazy to see it now, and it's it was even crazier because I was like, it'd be I might be on Herb's team again, and I might have to go against Herb. So right. it's it's gonna be one or the other. But I know kind of what to expect. So yeah. And then COVID happens. Early 1900s have we seen the halt of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 rumored since the weekend became a reality when both conferences postponed their fall sports season and college football. That team, if we have no opt-outs, that team was going to be really scary, I yeah. think. And I think 20 go, we had like what? We had two spring practices, I think, two or three. You you were feeling good about feeling this good. Like yeah. it's going to be a good year. I, Justin Herbert's gone. Troy Dye's gone. But and like we still feel like we got guys. We I think we're we're good. The whole sec I remember the whole secondary came back, so we were like, oh yeah, this is we're this we might not give up a touchdown. Like <laughs> <laughs> we were like we were all back. Right. So then COVID happens and it's like, oh man, we're so we're like, okay, we don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. So of course we're doing meetings, we're going through whatever. We get we get back, we get back in like June, I believe. They're like, we can come back and work out. But workouts are still weird, but like, it was just cool to be back. You're back with your teammates again. Like, right. This is what we're here for, of course. You always you miss your teammates for three, four months and we're back together. Cool. And then we go through everything, but then I guess the season got canceled again. They were like, we're not going to play. We all went home. Like, oh man, the opt-outs happened. Season comes back and then it's like, okay, so for the team, it's kind of weird because, of course, all the uncertainty, guys are restless. I feel like that was a weird point because some guys are ready to play. Some guys are kind of, like, iffy about it. There was a lot going on at the time. Yeah. And so, for me, that was the time I took to – that whole period of time I was watching film. Like, I'd be watching – I'd go to school, whatever class I had. I'm watching film, just trying to get better. I'm watching old games. I probably watched all – what is it, 14 of our games from that path from 2019. What's motivating you? Because you don't know, what are you preparing for in your mind at that point? I'm just trying to stay sharp. Like, yeah. I don't know when we're going to play. I don't know where we're going to play, how we're going to play. But whenever that time comes, I'm going to be ready. I've probably, that's probably one of the times I've just worked the hardest because I had to work by myself. And it was like, it's all self-motivation. That's why yeah. I'll tell like, I'm self-motivated because at that time period, you really don't have to do anything. Like, you don't know what's going to You could really just sit down, relax, play video games, not do much. I was just going to say, I feel like I would have been the guy just playing video games, putting on weight, not really doing much. Cause like it, you guys are, you guys by nature are so goal oriented, but, and, and it seems to, from the outside looking in, you were, there wasn't really a goal to go right. toward, but in your head, you still had a goal you were working toward just Some, betterment. Something. Cause I'm like, look, I came off another year and even I knew, I knew that I was going to be draft eligible that next year so i was i want to go absolutely crazy of course it's probably it's very hard to leave after just playing two years that's super yeah. hard but i was i'm gonna shoot for it anyway yeah. like we're gonna shoot for a national championship pac-12 championship and i was like i'm gonna shoot to try to try to leave early which is probably i mean it didn't happen but even just playing to a level that I've just is crazy and so i'm working out making sure i keep my weight up keep my strength so whenever that time gets called and we get called i'm ready to go i don't have to get back into the flow of things i remember i was running around my neighborhood one two miles and that was when i got really really big into boxing like i was real big into boxing so just as a fitness from regimen? a fitness standpoint because i was like boxers always are in shape they can go all day long right. they'll spar and they, they just look the part it was like these guys some guys are like floyd's like 150 but floyd like looks good he's in good shape cut all these up. different boxes. exactly yeah. all they're they're all cut up no matter what their weight is so i was yeah. like i'm gonna try to do kind of what they're doing because they're in shape they looked apart, all of that. And so that's kind of what I was doing. And so that involved with watching film and just staying sharp, watching NFL film, because I was trying to learn as well. Like, I want to implement different things into my game, whatever it is. And so we get into that year finally, all the opt-outs happen. I'm like, okay, I got to step up some more. I remember just going through workouts when we got back to the flow of it. It was like, I know I need my, my play needs to be different, first off. Like, it's always, I feel like you can't be the type of, outspoken guy telling the other guys if you're not doing it yourself so it's like first and foremost take care of yourself yeah. make sure i'm playing i remember like you, you you had earned some credibility before you ever took the field but 
to take the next step as a leader, right. you felt like you really needed to be a guy who handled his own business. Exactly. To the point where I can tell somebody to do something. There's no questions about it. I don't get side-eyed. I don't be like, oh, I yeah. got you, V3. Right. Cool. And so that 2018, was 2018, like, even though guys knew you knew your stuff, it still might have been like, come on, young guy. like Yeah, like Slim or like Ugo. They would have right. been like, I, like I've been here. I, I got it. Right. But even, even then, like, just from even a, a game plan standpoint, guys will listen, but just other stuff. And I'm like, come yeah. on, like, yeah. let's get like get it. Or like, we're pushing sleds for however long Coach Feldhout is going to get, like, getting guys. Like, let's keep going, just keep going. Just yeah. making them see things to like, why you're going to achieve it. Like, come on, like, we're playing Oregon State, whatever it is. All of that is much better received once you've actually made some plays yourself. Exactly. That's earned that's some credibility that 100%. way. 100%. Yeah. So once the year starts and like practice starts, I was like, I've got to be at a different level. It just has to be at a different level. Yeah. And so as the, the season progressed, I remember it was Stanford game. I got ejected. Yeah, I remember that. I got ejected for targeting. Um, I played like, okay, but it was like, okay. I had the good play, but I got ejected for it. And then we played Washington State. I missed the whole first half. So like second half was slower. It was, I was, yeah. So then we played UCLA. That's when I kind of have like I remember I had the 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 tip or whatever and I had a pig whatever played well. It's on the ground and slapped to himself by McKinley. Beautiful slide of hand by McKinley inside. And it kind of it just it got going from there and I feel like that's when that that leap happened and yeah. it was like okay this they looked way different and just the leadership and then especially even after losses and and talking to the media a lot more just that's when it all kind of built up and even the whole general thing is that's when it kind of started it started more in practice like in home before it got to be a big thing around but that's when like 2020 year was okay we we get into the pac 12 championship we have a big game we win go to the fiesta bowl we lose so it was like okay i remember i took some time i went home i went to my grandma's house my parents were still in arizona went to my grandma's house and i was just like i remember i sat there i watched the game like twice it was they re-showed it i watched it twice like the fiesta bowl we can't have i was like we can't yeah no, we should. There's no way this team should have beat us. There's no way. So I'm like, okay. Is there any bitterness? Like, why'd that have to happen? Why'd the pandemic have to happen during my career? I mean, there's there a, a lot of people have had it a lot worse than I know uh, than I have because of the pandemic. So all of our circumstances are different, and we've all been robbed of of things big and small. And not to suggest you know, having your football season upset is as bad as other circumstances other people have gone through. But is there any frustration like? What, you know, why'd that happen? Why'd that have to happen during my career? For me, no, because I feel like the pandemic allowed for me to one grow as like a leader and kind of really understand why I play football. It like allowed for me to sh like really establish my why. Like, yeah, it got taken away from you and now you got it back. And it's like you can't take it for granted because that just shows how quick football can be taken away yeah. from you. So I remember I was doing all the podcast stuff, the elite media stuff, like starting to even build my career off the field because football can be taken away just like that yeah. and so i take the pandemic as like a blessing in disguise just because it allowed for me to to grow as a person grow within my future endeavors and then also grow as a, as a football player and so that's why i see it as like as bad as the year was with other people and and the sit the COVID and people losing their jobs and the black lives matter stuff all of these different things and i was like it just gave you so many different perspectives i'm yeah. a political science major so with all the the george floyd stuff going on it allowed for me to to have a perspective and speak on what i think in a respectful research and educated way to, yeah. to communicate where i'm not causing problems but i'm i'm also being outspoken and, and reasonable and so like it helped me in every aspect of my life i feel like and so as bad as it was it did yeah. help me in that aspect yeah. so going into 2021 Fans are going to be back. We got a full season. We play Ohio State. That offseason, I remember that offseason, I was like, for one, for one, I'm going to enjoy college because college, like, you know, the the guidelines were kind of starting to lessen a little bit. So I was like, for one, I'm going to enjoy college. Like, you can actually go to campus. You can go to campus. You can, like, just enjoying college because it was taken away from us. Yeah. You didn't, we had, I remember even we had went to like a party right before COVID and we didn't have none of those parties ever again. Like, yeah. Yeah, we, there's you didn't get to do anything because of COVID. So I was like, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna work hard like I've never worked before, and I'm gonna enjoy school. I'm gonna enjoy meeting people. I'm gonna enjoy walking campus and going to the Jaguar because all of this stuff we didn't have yeah. at first. And so that's kids who got here during the pandemic. I just feel horrible for. And, yeah, I, and that was you know the the transfer for portal 
not to go down a rabbit hole here, but the transfer portal is just exploding now. And, and it's a lot of kids who, from that class who I just feel like I, there's, you know, all kinds of different circumstances that go into a decision like that. But the relationships that couldn't be formed or the depth of relationships that don't exist because we were all isolated and we couldn't get to know each other. I mean, I just, I really feel bad for, I'm great to, I mean, you have such a mature perspective on what the pandemic was like for you. And it's great that, you know, you got to experience a little taste of college life before, so you knew what you could get back to. I just feel so or particularly bad for those kids who they didn't know any different and just how, I mean, again, other people have had it much worse, but. Even that year, like 2020, I've never been hiking that much. I've never seen that many waterfalls. Yeah. I've never. So that was like, because I remember we didn't have anything to do. It's so like me, Javon, right? KJ, Jordan, we're all like. Do Every weekend, what are we going to go do? Yep. Exactly. We were like, what are we going to go do? Yeah. Let's go find something to do. So yeah. they allow for you to like, because at some point you get tired of being on the game. You get tired of watching TV. Right. You're like, look, it's nice outside. We're in Oregon. Let's go find something to do. So like, even then, I, if pandemic doesn't happen, I probably don't go do that. Right, right. Now I have a perspective on it. Like, oh, it's actually pretty cool to go see it. Yeah. And, Again, some silver linings there. Exactly. Did you go into 21 then thinking this is it? So I went into it. With the, I had said, I, had, I wish I could find that, that interview because I had said, if 2021 goes as planned, I'm going to have some decisions to make at the end of it. Like I knew going, it need, this needs to be the year. I, I could have came back, whatever it is, but I know this needs to be a statement year. For myself, I want to win the Thorpe Award and be first team, first team All-American and the first team All-Pac-12. Those are like my three personal goals. It needs to, it needs to look a certain way. I think everything, every attribute of mine needed to increase at least plus 10. Like it, if you have a Madden ranking, I'm an 80, it needs to be a 90 minimum. Like yeah. everything needs to increase. As a team, we knew all the young guys we had come in, we knew they would actually be good. Like Troy Frank, I didn't know who Troy Franklin was, but after Troy Franklin's first practice, yeah. I was like, okay, I know who Troy Franklin is. <laughs> right. Dante Thornton. I'm like, Chris Hudson. Like, I'm like, we have all these. I was like, we have some good got some good guys on this team, some young guys. We have the quarterback situation fixed, whatever. That happens. Cool. Yeah. Defense, everybody's back pretty much. We know we have two DJ James, Mike Hill, me, Steve's ready to go now. Boom. Noah Sewell, monster, coming off a great freshman year. Dorless, KT's back again. You have the O-line still intact, guys who've been here. Right. And maybe they were behind these older guys, but they have another year under their belt. They're back. We're like, we're loaded. Let's go. Yeah. Like, coach is good. We got our coaching staff. Coach Yates, who recruited me at Arizona. I had known him since I was a freshman in high school. He knows my family. That's going to be my new position coach. Cool. Like, I had Coach Hayward. Coach Hayward, great. Like, moved me to the safety room. Part of the reason I'm even at this point because he trusted in me, believed in me. So it's like I've always had good coaches. So yeah. I'm like, cool, I got another good coach. Here we go again. And so going into that year, it was like, well, we got to work. We got to work. We got to work. And this is another spring. You got to learn a new a new defense. I'm like, dude, we got it. Like even the spring was fun. Like, it was, like I said, it was probably one of the most competitive springs I've ever been a part of. Like one-on-ones were serious. Offense and defense talking noise. Scrimmages are serious. People getting hit. Like it's crazy. So we go into – Spring, we had a good spring game. Like it was cool. We wish we could have fans, but it was like, okay, fans will be back for the season. So going into fall camp, it's like, all right, it, we're here now. And then I remember everybody's here. Like it's the first game. It feels. I remember Vaughn came back for that game. He had been drafted, so like I remember I see Vaughn in the tunnel. I'm lit. Like let's go. And then Fresno State comes to play. Like yeah, we were like, man, Fresno State came because we knew like Fresno State's one of those teams. Like it's gonna be like BYU this year, a team that yeah. maybe isn't just this big national powerhouse, but right. they're gonna come to play. You better be on alert. Exactly. Yeah. And so, boom, we get out of that. Like I, we had a good, I had a good game. Like okay, and then of course Ohio State comes. I've probably never been that. I've always been locked in, ready, but it's just that I knew we have three potential first round receivers over there, first round quarterback. One of the best, we know what it is. Just coming off, they went to the national championship year before, playoffs the year before that. We're going to Ohio State. It's like, okay. I know I was guilty of this. I hope you will forgive me. But watching those receivers just tear people up oh, later man. in the year, I was like, how did our guys get that oh, done? Oh, man. They, how, how did I, they do it? I think they took our game like personal. Yeah. I think it like helped push them to the point they were like, we're not, no. Yeah. No. And, the only, and I don't even know. I still watched the Michigan game. And I was like, wow. Because I thought they were going to go to the playoffs. I remember watching Ohio State for the rest of the year. I was like, they they look like they're on a mission. Like, yeah. 
I don't know what we did, but right. they look like they're on a mission. So, they got a wake up call. Yeah. So we like we go into Ohio State. Like I said, just that game is still surreal to me because we go in. I remember I prepared that week like I prepared like no other because I knew I was like, dude, we we got to be on our piece of cues. We have no K- KT has sprained his ankle. Yep, flows out. Flows gone. I'm like, we have Nate and Jeff Basses, our two backers, our wheels. We have Noah. Noah can only play so much. I was yeah. like, good lord. We have. We got the two corners. We, we're good. Bennett, Maul's back. I'm like, okay, like we'll be able to offense. Like, let's just see what the offense is gonna do. Like, look, offense. I don't even. I was like, we can do this. Like, we can do. This. We go in there, and it was like I said, we walked out. Everything was good. I remember I warmed up. I warmed up like no other. I warmed up. NFL scouts there. Their coaches watching. Make sure my warm was pristine. We go back in. Like, it's it's still like we're really about to go out here in front of hundred thousand people. Like. All right, whatever. We're good. And we walked out. We, even when we warmed up, it was fine. Like, you see people filling in. But I'm like, I'm like, we're really at the horseshoe right now. About the yeah. Ohio State on national. Actually, everybody's going to – everybody's – I think that was one of the top five. I think it was the top five most watched game this year. It, I'm sure it was. It, yeah. it was like – I think regardless, like, bowl yeah. games, I think it was still, like, number three or something. But to your so, point, the horseshoe was, legit, like, as advertised. Oh, I mean, yeah. Big, so like – big and loud. Like, like, I was like, okay. And we when we came out – so boom, Coach Chris Ball talked to us. I was just like, all right, here we go. We walked out and like we're because you have to remember you have to walk down that tunnel. Like yep. you can't see anything though. So you're just you're walking down. And I remember we looked, I looked, we got we saw that sea of red, and I was like, oh man. I we looked around, I and I looked at Johnny and I was like, it's just I said, it's just us. Yeah. I was like, is we going, it's just us. We're behind enemy lines. I was like, it didn't even we couldn't even see green. Yeah. We were like, dude, we're just I was like, there's nobody else here. We're just here. It's us, bro. And so we go in and like I remember their fan they had their band out there. So like we had to maneuver through to get to the coin toss. And I and I was like, bro, and we're just standing there and I'm like, dude, this is crazy. We are out here right now. There's a hundred thousand people. Everybody's about to watch this game. And of course we start on defense first. I like starting on defense first, but I feel like that's like I only get nervous. I get nervous for every game just because that's just me. Sure. And like, you know, you go out and you're like, all right. And then of course the ref stands over the ball. They don't snap yet, and y'all just looking across from each other. I remember I, I looked over at Steve. No, what? Well, actually, we kicked off. I told Dante Manning, I said, just play with no fear. I said, no matter what happens, play with no fear. I looked at Steve for that first that first play, and we we went like this, like let's do it. And yeah, just a quick nod, play. like it's on. It's on. Like we just gotta go. Just yeah. just play. Just play free. Don't worry about nothing. Just play. From the legendary shoe here in Columbus, it's. The 12th ranked Oregon Ducks in town taking on the world famous Ohio State Buckeyes. We got the fourth down stop big, like big fourth down stop in red zone territory. Over the middle and it complete. So Oregon turns Ohio State away. We're punting. We're holding our offense pretty much. And then I remember I had the the breakup. We didn't have a call. <laughs> we didn't have a call, whatever. I get the breakup and I knew right there. I, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Incomplete. They call it. Cade Stover couldn't hold on after the hit. You knew what? Like we can win this game? No, I knew. I knew. I said we're here to play. Like, okay. Especially for myself, just okay. like because I know like guys are gonna be looking at me because I remember I spoke to a team beforehand. Like I, I remember I told them. I told people before we got on the plane. I'm like, don't get on this plane. You don't think we're winning? I was like, we're gonna win. If you gonna get in this plane, you are gonna win this game. So it was like, I felt I needed to set the tone, and and like it was like okay, it happened. So then. Now I'm just playing. Like yeah. I, you make a play early, it's like okay, we're I'm good. I'm gonna make sure guys are ready to go. And like I just kept making plays throughout the game, and it was like the pick, the pick was just that's one I always remember because like yeah. just to hear a hundred thousand people go quiet. Yeah. Delivers, picked off, intercepted. Jerome McKinley. You know, with apologies to you know Tennessee back in 2010 or Nebraska and whenever that was 16, 17. That's as loud as I've I've ever heard in an opposing stadium. It was uh, that fourth quarter was that fourth quarter was insane. so loud. Yeah. We were like, dude, it, they had momentum. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah, and we just, it was like we just kept chopping, just just keep chopping. Like it's just gonna keep working itself out, and so that that like sets up just the season. Then I had like that big part where I just started getting picks. Like yeah. it's weird, and we're going through the season, and still still but one it of is, the weirdest. Y- all those pick, you know, the, the Ohio State game, like there was sort of a play breaks down and there's some improvisation and you kind of just got to go make a play. So, you know, to, to those folks who thinks you're just a cerebral guy, you know, you show there, you got to run around and make a play. But there there does get to start to be a point where it's like, Verone knew exactly what was coming. Like what, 
what would what, you know what's your comfort level as you're going through 2021 in terms of just prep mental preparation and i know you don't want to be pegged just for that but it it just kept happening like Verone knew what was coming right there i felt that ohio state game most people would be like oh i did it i'm good that ohio state game like propelled me like i was like okay i need to prepare the same way yeah i need to have the same focus that's like, the standard now like that's the standard like i need to keep the same energy all the way through and so that that just kept propelling me out. So we go play Stony Brook, and I I said it. I was like, I'm gonna get a pick first drive. I said the first drive, I'm gonna get it. I told Johnny, I was like, I'm gonna get a pick first drive. I promise you. And then the third play happened. I knew exactly what was coming. I told DJ, I told Bennett, and I was like, y'all can switch. I said Bennett, he's gonna run it over. Just I said play outside, you'll be fine. I told DJ, I said play outside. I said I'm here. I was like I'm here, and that's what I wanted the comfort level of our DBs. Like look, if I tell you I'm here, trust me, I'm here. Like don't. And it happened all throughout the year. Same thing with Jamal against Washington State. I'm like, I'm here. Yeah. Same thing, Oregon State. I had, I wish I would have caught it. But I'm like, like I look at Maul like, I got you. Don't even worry about it. Just that comfort level to where I'm so prepared, it's easy for me. Because it's like, I'm telling you, our corners can do whatever they want. Because I'm like, I got you. Don't even worry about it. I got you. And so, for like, the Stony Brook game comes. I'm like, we'll pick up right where we left off. Like, let's do it again. And just... Yeah that same energy and so it because it almost affected me a little bit because i was like stanford i don't get a pick i could have had one it, i thought it was high and dante manning was gonna get it it was weird and like we lose the game so i was hard on myself like yeah i remember i went home after that game and i was like dude like didn't get another pick i think i had like a three game pick streak so i'm like dude i oh man i was like i gotta do something so i remember i went did, in did early. you guys think after that game the playoffs we cost ourselves a playoff shot no, not I don't say not necessarily. Yeah. I think we were like, okay, CJ's hurt. We're like, oh man, that's the biggest thing of that season. Like right. guys going down like flies. Like it was yeah. like, dude, what we look up practice, games, like something's happening every single day, it felt like. We were like, dude, this is crazy. Right. And so then we're just like, we gotta keep going. And then who do we who do we even play after Stanford? Cal. We played Cal, close game at home. We we're like Back from that week, we had lost, had a bye week. Okay, let's go. We're on a Friday night. Make it happen again. Um, so we're like, okay, we won. We're back on track. Let's yeah. just keep going. All I remember is going to UCLA game. I remember it was like, okay, here we go again. Another big time opponent. We got to go to UCLA. Yep. We're like, okay, that game, we get out. It was funny because that game, like, it was weird. Cause like we were winning, we're balling. And it was like this weird drop, like not a drop off, but like it went steady. And then like, they picked it up again, almost came back. We were like, oh man, we got to stop doing this to ourselves. Remember we make everything close. We were like, we have to stop doing this to ourselves. Right. Cause we're, we're winning, we'll be fine. And then we let teams come back. Utah game happens. That That's one of the worst ones in my entire time here. 100%. Yeah. That one, I was, I mean, I took that one hard. I took that hard. You you can answer this from a player's perspective because, you know, talk about revisionist history. I think there we have some fans who look back and say, oh, clearly Coach Cristobal already had one foot, if not two feet, out the door. Was there any perception of that inside the locker room? No, not at all. That that game literally just, like, just wasn't – it was not going for us. Yeah. It was offense, defense, special teams. Like, this is just not going for us. Yeah. Like, one thing I'll always say, like I have Coach Chris Balls back 100%. There was never a time he didn't give us 100%. He He's too crazy and dedicated right. to, to this sport <laughs> that he's not going to do anything right. like that to sabotage yeah. or not give his all. That's not Coach Chris Ball. Coaches are all insanely competitive. He is insanely yeah, he, competitive he on yeah. another level. Yeah, Literally, he hates yeah. losing. He always he, We lose, and he feels like he let us down. And, like, you can tell it, it affects him. So, yeah. like, I was like, no. Even they they asked the same thing after the, the, the Pac-12 championship. I was like, yeah. no. I even even he did leave. Okay, but it was never, a, oh, he's sabotaging us. You he never leaves. felt he's, like you guys got shortchanged or the never, program got shortchanged. Never. Even yeah. after that game. Because even after the first Utah game, we came back against Oregon State and put on a – one of our best performances of the year. Yeah. And I mean, so it was like, no. And that year is just like, I look back on the year and it was, I mean, I wouldn't change it still. Yeah. I just feel like we always, it's always like that second to last game. I was like, Washington State happened in 2018, 2019. Arizona we State. We have Arizona State. Yeah. 2020, I was like, we, we just, we messed that one up. And yeah. then 2021, I was like, of course, we got Utah. Going to Utah. I was like, it's always funny. Me and some of the guys in the group chat were talking about this. Every year, 
whenever because we're always top ranked and we got to go somewhere end of the year and it's like a sellout crowd yeah they'll break a record for the most fans at a game like yep. Oregon's coming to town all oh, let's all show up and no I mean that's one of the reasons people come here is to play in games like that but you have a target on your back every single game a, yeah. a huge target and it was like and we were like it's like it's messed up because these places like it's you'll look around but this place is jumping right yeah. now like they're treating you, like a bowl game utah was loud like i was like I, we came to utah in 2018 but it wasn't like this right. it was, dude and then washington state 2018 that place was crazy like yeah. that's people don't even understand how crazy pullman is i was like that place is crazy yeah arizona state the fireworks the flashing lights we were like dude yeah we gotta stop doing this to ourselves so yeah. well i mean that that Winning a national championship is hard. Making the playoff is hard because you have to bring it every single week, and your margin for error is so small. And you know, so you you just I was lucky enough to have been around here in fourteen, and like you do, and I think you know that it might be experiences like that where why I ask you questions about are you able to appreciate things in the moment because it, when you do go there and then come up short, it reinforces just how hard it is and so how important it is to appreciate moments, the good times when you're in them. Winning every week in college football is hard. Yeah. Like, it's hard. Yeah. And I don't think everybody understands, especially in high school. Yeah. Like, to even the process. That's why I love football. I love the process. Like, every week you come in, you play a game Saturday, Sunday, watch the film, get back to it. You're going to start preparing for the next team. Monday is like a big overload of information. Come in and learn yourself. Tuesday practice, Wednesday practice, everything. Like, that repetition, that's what makes it fun. But it's hard. Yeah. And that's – that's what makes college football like especially when those when those college football play, ranking playoffs playoff yeah. rankings come out yeah that's when it gets okay now they know you're in that ranking they're like oh yeah right oh, we, oh yeah it's they're coming here oregon's coming here right we may have not played well all year yeah we're gonna play we're gonna play well against we're gonna oregon, that though. game right yeah <laughs> You know, so 21 does end up being your last year. How much did you battle with that decision? I battled it because yeah. I just, I love the program. Yeah. I love, like, my teammates. That's why like, I played in the bowl game because I yeah. was like, yeah, I'm going to just go out with my guys. Like, if this, this is going to be my last one, then I might as well go finish it yeah. with, with my guys. Whatever happens, I know people opted out. I know a lot of different people opt out, but I'm going to go play with my guys one last time, especially if this is the, one, the last time. Like, right. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Going into that decision, though, like, talking to my family, talking to Coach Cristobal, I even talked to Coach Lanning, like, just talking to different people, getting different people's perspectives, the information we were getting back from the NFL, all of that. And it was like, I mean, me, I already felt like it was time. I was like, I feel like I've done everything I possibly can to make this yeah. place better than I found it. I feel like I've accomplished so much. Only thing, I was like, if you look back, only thing I basically didn't accomplish, I didn't win the Thorpe, and we didn't win a national championship. Yeah, That's the only two. I was like, that's, of course I want to win those. Like, of yeah. course. But I was like, it's, I felt like it was time. My parents felt it was time. We were like, okay, we'll go ahead and, and make this decision and kind of move on to the next the next level. And so that decision, it was tough. Um, I feel like Oregon just has done a lot for me. Yeah. And I enjoyed every bit of it, but I was like, it's, yeah. it's time. Thanks for joining us on the Mighty Oregon Podcast a production of Sport and & Story and Learfield IMG College. You can support the Mighty Oregon Podcast by going to wherever you find your podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Special thanks to The General, the Pac-12 Network, ESPN, and Fox Sports. I'm your host, Rob Mosley. Producer for the Mighty Oregon Podcast is Tony LaBarbera. Production assistant for the show is Evan Eccleston. Supervising producers are Bart Pullman and Kelly Shukart. Executive producer at Sport & Story is Bo Mattingly. Theme music for the show is composed by Sweet 25.